Welcome to a bonus edition of the Turn on the Jets podcast. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And in just a bit, Joe Caparoso is going to answer your questions from the TOJ mailbag. But before that, I just want to take a quick second to remind you about the other great programs. We have a Turn on the Jets digital, including my podcast, Play Like a Jet. Brand new episodes on Friday. We cover the biggest moments in New York Jets history. And right now, we are in the middle of a series on the road to Sam Darnold with Albert Breer of SI and MMQB. He had access to all the Jets' key decision makers. It has been our most popular series yet. If you've missed any of the first five parts, go ahead and listen. Part six will drop on Friday. Also, we've got daily training camp podcasts with Daryl Slater, the outstanding beat writer for NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media. Unfortunately, almost every practice is closed to the fans this year, but we've got Daryl Slater as our eyes and ears on the ground in Florham Park. So we will have a brand new podcast every day there's a practice with Daryl getting you up to speed on everything that happened that day on Play Like a Jet. Don't miss upcoming episodes of What's Your Point, our weekly Jets debate show with Dalba Nassario and Pauly Brzez. This week, Joe Caparoso is the special guest judge. Michael Nania will be launching his Know Your Foe podcast, taking an in-depth look at the Jets' 2018 opponents on a week-to-week basis. That'll kick off on August 8th, the week of the Jets' first preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons. The Jet Take is brand new every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock with Ben Blessington and Kyle Fahey, so you can call up and have your voice heard. And a quick reminder for you, gambling is legal now, so anybody can gamble, but not just anybody can win on a consistent basis. If you want to be able to do that, you want to play like the pros and win like the pros. And there's only one place to go to help you do that. That's Razor Sport Club. Razor Sport Club has access to all the fancy algorithms and formulas that the house uses to make sure that they're generally on the winning end of things. But with Razor Sport, you'll have access to that very same information. Head over there today and join up at Razorsport.com. That's R-A-Z-E-R Sport.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at TurnOnTheJets underscore IG and subscribe to our YouTube channel, TV. Now, with all that said, let's get to the mailbag. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select... Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. little bonus Sunday mailbag episode here where we're going to go through some of the questions you guys sent through today uh, and recap the Jets' first three training camp practices, which are now in the book, while Sam Darnold, unfortunately, still remains unsigned. Thank you to Scott Mason for uh, running through everything in our intro there. Also want to remind you guys, this podcast is now also brought to you by Willie McBrides, and we're going to be having a live podcast and watch party there on August 24th. That's on 6th and Grand in Hoboken, New Jersey. We'll have different drink and food specials. They have them going on for all football season anyway. So make sure to check them out and make sure to uh, come hang out with Connor, myself, and a few other people who work for the site and watch some Jets-Giants football, where hopefully Sam Darnold will actually be under contract and be playing at that point. All right, let's jump into your questions. First one, let's just handle this right off the top uh, from David Acosta. Do you think Jimmy Sexton is trying to stick it to the organization that gave him a hard time with one of his previous clients? Also got a question from at Manny C. With Darnold not practicing, at what point do you think he loses his chance to start week one? 
the Donald situation, you know, pretty frustrating, pretty odd. Uh, there's been different rumors about what the holdups are, ranging from offset language, uh, ranging to different guarantees against injury uh, in his contract. Whatever the reason is, and whoever is more to blame, whether it's CAA and Jimmy Sexton, Sam Darnold for deciding to hire Jimmy Sexton or the Jets organization for not uh, sorting this out by this point, all that really matters is that this is not done yet. And there's now three practices that have happened without Darnold there, putting him a little bit behind. I don't think it's fully at panic mode yet. I do think once you get into the middle of next week and he misses a fifth practice, maybe let's say he's missed three already, I really think you, you, 10, 15, 20% less chance of him starting week one just because he's going to be that much further behind. From what we've heard so far and what we've seen so far, neither Josh McCown or Teddy Bridgewater are particularly lighting it up. It does seem like McCown has been a little further ahead, but I don't think there's any reason to think that if Donald starts practicing this week and gets a couple practices under his belt before the green and white scrimmage next Saturday, that he still couldn't be the starter. So hopefully all of this is figured out. I don't think Jimmy Sexton you know, cares in particular about what happened with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's probably just generally a more difficult agent to deal with. And I think CAA is trying to get a win on behalf of their client. And it's just going to be a matter of, does Sam Darnold on his camp get impatient enough and say, you know, cave on this negotiating point, I want to get into camp? Or does Chris Johnson, on the other end, go to Mike McCannon and say, you know, we didn't get all this excitement around a new franchise quarterback to haggle over a few hundred thousand dollars we're going to let this go, lock the contract up now. I don't know when this stare down is going to end, but I would guess next day or two, the pressure is only going to be turned up on both sides because now you're through your first pad of practice, which you missed. You got your green and white scrimmage less than a week away with only three practices before it. I'd be very, very surprised and disheartened if he was not under contract before then. So hopefully, you know, he misses either no more or only one more practice. And if, he, if that ends up being the case, I do still think he has a reasonable chance to start week one. And prior to training camp starting and knowing that he was going to miss time, he was my predicted starter for week one. And I wouldn't change it at that point yet, but we're def- definitely getting closer to it. Once you get to five or six missed practices, then I think it's very hard to expect him to be ready to go by that point. Next contract, I'm sorry, next question, got contracts on the mind. Uh, what are your expectations for Nathan Shepard? This is from Dan Doyle. Uh, David Shepard's apparently been playing a lot with the first defense. I think him and Henry Anderson, uh, and to a lesser extent Xavier Cooper, will all be rotating through opposite Leonard Williams at defensive end. Would not surprise me if Shepard got the first shot. As a you know, a recent draft pick, he was the team's highest pick this year besides Donald, and a guy who's an older prospect, so I think the expectation is, is that he needs to be ready to hit the ground running in year one. So I think Shepard is going to play a lot as a rookie, probably more than is normal for a third-rounder. Uh, he may be a starter on paper, but he will be rotating through reps, I think, with Anderson. So maybe he's a guy who plays, you know, I don't know, 50 to 60% of the snaps as a rookie and can hopefully take some pressure off Leonard Williams uh, as a pass rusher and also be stout against the run. But it's a tall task. I mean, he's making a big leap from the size college he played at uh, to being a starter in the NFL. So there's definitely going to be some rough patches if he's starting out of the gate. But early impressions have been good. It definitely sounds like he's going to be in the mix for major playing time right away. Uh, next question from Ben Marsh. Lorenzo Malden, does he redeem himself this season, ride the pine, or get jetsoned? Nice pun there. I think Malden's you know, very much in the mix for reps opposite of Jordan Jenkins, at outside linebacker. I think it's him, Josh Martin, uh, to a lesser extent, David Bass and Dylan Donahue. 
I think Malden's going to be a specialist who maybe plays like 25 to 30% of the snaps on defense and is used on third downs and is used on special teams. I don't have overly high expectations for him, but if you go out and get three or four sacks uh, compared to what they got from him last year when he was hurt uh, and out of shape, or not out of shape, but put on weight that I think negatively impacted his explosiveness, I think the Jets will be happy. I don't think they're expecting him to come in and be uh, an every-down player and get 10 sacks, but if he can play and be part of that rotation opposite Jordan Jenkins and contribute on defense, I think the Jets would be happy with that because really outside of Leonard Williams, they're not getting much of anything out of that 2015 draft class. Uh, Next question from Danny Wilson. Who is the one player the Jets can't afford to lose to injury that would have the most impact on this season's record? I mean, it's hard to say. You can't look at quarterback because Donald hasn't played yet. We saw what happened when McCown got hurt last year, but they're in a better spot now with Bridgewater on the roster instead of Petty. So let's put quarterback aside. I think you got to look at the other critical positions. I think, you know, shut down corner, Tremaine Johnson, after getting that big contract, is not available. The Jets all of a sudden start looking a little thin at corner, and that makes life that much harder on Jamal Adams and Marcus May. So I think that would be a huge blow. Kelvin Beecham at left tackle, maybe not someone who jumps off the page immediately, but I don't know who's stepping in to play for him if he's out there, and he was pretty competent last year, uh, quietly. And also Spencer Long at center. I mean, we saw how much having a bad center hurt last year, so if the Jets revert back to having to play a you know a Travis Swanson who was basically like Detroit's version of Wesley Johnson last year, that would have a negative impact on the rest of their offensive line. So those are three guys who kind of jump top of mind. Uh, you're not going to put the quarterback position into the equation. Next question from at Gold Glove Funk. With the great depth in the secondary, do you think we could see more exotic dime fronts to help neutralize our weaknesses against the intermediate passing attacks and tight ends? Well, I think Todd Bowles is always going to favor a defensive back heavy scheme. The Jets' best base defense is really a nickel with three corners on the field. I also think they're going to try to mitigate their lack of pass rushers by, like you said, blitzing a lot, particularly with defensive backs, whether that's Jamal Adams whether that's the slot corner blitz that we know they love to use with Buster Screen or if Parry Nickerson's in that role. I also think we'll see plenty of three safety looks with Terrence Brooks or Doug Middleton or J.J. Wilcox on the field as well and being used almost as linebackers and blitzers to try to compensate for that lack of top-end talent at the linebacker position, particularly out the outside linebacker position. So I think you're going to see a lot of nickel and dime looks from the Jets, a lot of three safety looks. And I think you'll regularly see you, those defensive backs used as blitzers and to add a little more speed to the defense overall. Uh, question from Daniel M. 2K 2020. Is Crowell a long-term solution at running back? I don't know if he's a long-term solution. He's on a one, basically a glorified one-year contract. I think Crowell is a, a serviceable starter, a good two-down back uh, who they'll count on on the early downs to run in between the tackles. Feels like the kind of guy who will probably ultimately lead the team in carries this year and maybe net out somewhere around seven, 800 yards with five or six touchdowns. I don't think he's going to be a major factor in the passing game. And then I think they reevaluate next year, depending on what the free agent market looks like at running back, where their draft pick ends up, how a guy like Eli McGuire plays when he comes back from injury. I think, you know, this may end up being Bilal Powell's last year here, uh, considering his age and contract situation. So I think they're going to evaluate Crowell on basically this one year deal and then make a decision from there. But I wouldn't necessarily anticipate Crowell being the starting running back for the next, you know, three to five years. Uh, From Dr. Yes, is Cannon the only back with a third down skill set? No, I mean, I think Bilal Powell has that. I think Powell is still their best overall back. He's the best in pass pro. He's the best catching the football out of the backfield, even still more so than Elijah McGuire. So 
Cannon's going to be still competing for a roster spot with McGuire's injury. He's got Thomas Rawls. Uh, the Jets could also, you know, opt to, you know, maybe carry, you know, two fullbacks or an extra tight end and go a little lighter at halfback. So, you know, Cannon needs to also show that he can make an impact on special teams and win that kick return job because I think that would go a long way towards him making the roster. But Blau Powell, more than capable of handling a third down role. Uh, let's see, next question from... What unit are you the most excited about? This is from Raul Vasquez. Whether it's the group you think will improve the most or will be the best. I'm excited to see the receiver group. I'm always partial to that position, but I think people generally underrate Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inua. I also think with Terrell Pryor and Jermaine Curse in the mix as veterans and the size they bring and their ability to move the chains, if you look at Curse when he does his work out of the slot, it's a good group. And I, I think there's also high expectations for a player like Chad Hansen to take a big step forward in year two. So there's an interesting mix of talent in that position group and the ability of hopefully there would be some explosive big plays uh, from Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inouye. Uh, from Nick Adebrando, what position do you think we should go after in the draft and free agency next year? It's going to be all about offensive line and pass rush. There's a way to go after Khalil Mack. you got to do it. Uh, a lot of the offensive linemen are getting snapped up already with teams extending their contract, but I think that will be a major focus in the NFL draft. You want to build a wall around Sam Darnold. He's the most valuable asset in the organization, so making it a priority to protect him and evaluating whether you really want prime winners to maybe be the long-term guard or even Spencer Long to be the long-term center are going to be decisions they have to make. Same thing with Brandon Shell at right tackle and Kelvin Beachum at left tackle. All of those guys have very fluid contracts where the Jets could move on after this year if those guys are not performing up to standard, and I think they'll be aggressive at adding more offensive line talent next year, never mind what they need to do with pass rush, where they just need more bodies to make life easier on guys like Leonard Williams up front. You've got to be able to bring heat off the edge without having to blitz all your defensive backs. Uh, from Nick Madden, who emerges as that third running back on the depth chart following Eli's injury, I, it sounds like McGuire could still be back by week one. The diagnosis is three to six weeks, and we're in July here, so might not be crazy to think we see him in the fourth preseason game, and especially by week one. Trenton Cannon's a logical guy to look at. Thomas Rawls, uh, a little more well-known, but more of a redundant skill set with a guy like Crowell, whereas I think Cannon's a little bit more of a unique back, even comparatively to Crowell and Powell. So I give a slight edge to Cannon at this point, pending that he can handle the transition, you know, from, again, a small college to the NFL. Um, from Raul Day, your prediction on when Darnold signs. Kind of mentioned this at the top. I think it happens sometime in the next 24 to 72 hours. Uh, before they get into their fifth practice, which I think is Wednesday. I think they're off Tuesday. So maybe having that sort of gap uh, creates the void needed to get that contract done. Not overly optimistic it happens by Monday's practice, uh, but by Wednesday, uh, I think they'll find a way to get it done. Question from Ib Umar. Will Teddy be traded for good picks? Uh, so far, it sounds like Teddy's had a kind of a rough start at camp, a little up and down. I know he's had three or four interceptions at this point. I think you got to remember there's going to be a lot of media outlets, national media outlets, who are going to be talking up how good Bridgewater work, looks because the Jets are trying to create buzz around him and trade him for draft picks. Uh, I know some people are adamant that Bridgewater could be the guy here. The reality is, is that it's Sam Darnold. They just traded three picks for him. Like The goal is to get him under center as soon as possible. So the Jets are hoping that they could find a bidder on Bridgewater. So hopefully he does actually play well. Uh, and increase that value. I'm not overly optimistic on them getting like a, you know, a second or third round pick for him, but even if you get a fourth or fifth, uh, if he shows he's healthy, I think that's better than nothing and better than him just walking in free agency after this year. Um, <clears throat> from Jets BR, 
Why can't Todd Bowles fix offensive coordinator? In four years, we have three different people. Meanwhile, Casey Rogers is struggling at defensive coordinator. He continues to be untouchable. I think it's a fair complaint about Rogers. I, you know, I think he's someone who's just you know close with Bowles, but I don't know what he, particularly he's bringing to the defense. And this defense has not been anything special with any consistency over the past three years. Uh, they've been very up and down. You know, have not forced turnovers. Have not have not scored defensive touchdowns. Have been a little uh, unreliable with penalties in big spots at offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's been a weird situation. You know, I think with Gailey, he had a very successful 2015. Things went south in 2016. I do not think he was on board with the Hackenberg pick and decision and did not want to be left hanging out to dry uh, when that clearly didn't work out. And he, you know, decided to just move on. And I believe he's still retired at this point. Uh, With Morton, there were, you know, some personal issues in the building. I do think he did an okay job last year. And with Bates, someone really highly thought of in league circles and, you know, known as being a, a very smart play caller and, and quarterback mind. He hasn't done it in a while, though. So there's going to be, you know, question marks. It's been eight years since he's been an offensive coordinator, I think. So how is he going to script games? How is he going to coach around likely a young quarterback? Uh, it's not a good look on Tom Bull, Todd Bowles, you know, to be fair, to have that much turnover. And they've had turnover at special teams coordinator, too. So Jets go out, go 4-12, and 5-11 and 11 this year. Uh, you almost run out of coordinators to shift and fire, so there'll be that much more heat on Bulls if they continue to struggle. Uh, from Mark Epstein, any concern at field goal kicker? Don't hear much about the loss of Canzero. Yeah, I think if Santos is healthy, I think he's a, you know, a lateral move, if not a slight upgrade. You know, He was hurt last year, but two years ago, he's one of the better kickers in the NFL. Has shown he could kick outdoors because he was kicking in Kansas City. Uh, so that, that has a similar you know, weather issues that you'll get here. Uh, in northern New Jersey. So I, I don't anticipate Santos being a particular weak spot for them as long as he could stay healthy. Uh, we got a couple more down here. What's a better nickname, Spoiled Sam or Silver Spoon Sam? I, I would not turn on Sam Darnold at this point. I think he's trying to let his agent do what he paid him to do. And I think there might be a threshold where he says, all right, you know, we, we got to give up on this you know, negotiating tactic and getting to camp, but I don't think it's time to uh, to turn on Sam Darnold yet. Uh, I don't. I don't think we're there. A um, couple more questions around McGuire's injury and how that role is going to be filled, including one uh, from Lunastar Thirty One. Uh, again, I think it sounds like McGuire is probably back in time for the fourth preseason game, if not Week One. And I think Trenton Cannon is the most logical guy uh, to fill into that role. But Rawls will get a chance, uh, and if Rawls you know, looks like the player he was a few years back, he's going to be hard to cut despite having a somewhat redundant skill set to Isaiah Crowell in my mind. Uh, question from Arthur Irwin. With the Jets' struggles on the offensive line, when are they going to prioritize taking one in the first round? I think next year that could definitely be a logical place they look in the first round depending on how the board shakes out and where their pick ends up. But investing in offensive line talent is a logical thing to do after you invest in your franchise quarterback. So it's been a while since they've spent top-tier draft capital on that position, and I don't think it's outside, you know, I don't think it's a crazy thought to think that will change next year, particularly with a young quarterback under center, which Darnold will be at some point sooner rather than later. Uh, question from Sharman Phillip, is the Jets' D-line depth an answer for their pass rush rows? I mean, not necessarily. I think they do have an intriguing group up there, but no one really jumps off the page as a pass rusher. I think it's a lot to expect guys like Nathan Shepard and Henry Anderson to fix that pass rush. I think those guys could be steady against the run and make life a little easier on Leonard Williams, who you're going to hope is going to be able to help lead the way in generating a pass rush. 
But you got to get some guys at outside linebacker or edge, particularly if you're going to run a base 3-4 defense. And the Jets just have not done that yet. And, you know, Malden hasn't done it. Donahue hasn't done it. You know, they've gotten a little here from, you know, guys like David Bass, but they just got to get more talent at that position. And I think similar to offensive line, that's going to be a big priority for them next season. Last question. And of course it is about Darnold again from Dean McGowan. This Darnold debacle seems to be his agent's fault. When do we get mad if he misses today's practice with pads? Well, he did miss today's practice with pads. I, yeah, I look, I don't doubt that there's some blame that goes on either side. I think the Jets are doing a good job of working the media, uh, particularly the Daily News, on you know showing their side of this argument and why Jimmy Sexton is potentially the root of a lot of these problems. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I think it's pretty on point from everything that we've heard and what the understanding of the situation is. But at the end of the day, I, I think I think it was Connor Hughes who tweeted this, you got to get it done. He's a franchise quarterback, so you know you could point fingers and have excuses all you want. Get your franchise quarterback in camp, and it might not be the most ideal situation. But at a certain point, uh, the Jets are going to have to make a decision about how much longer they want this to carry on. Uh, you know, you can't have this turn into a Joey Bosa situation, particularly with a quarterback. Cause it's going to be that much harder for him to catch up, and you can't have a lost rookie year for a guy because you have limited number of years where you're paying him on a rookie contract and that time is just so valuable so it just feels like there's too much of an incentive on each side for this not to get done uh sooner rather than later all right really appreciate everybody uh tweeting uh through the questions uh jets also just announced they're going to have new jerseys that are unveiled next spring so you know what i always say don't invest in jerseys because the players get traded the players get released and now they just change the jerseys overall smarter move buy t-shirts preferably turn on the Jets t-shirts uh, and we'll continue to promote those. But I know a lot of fans are, you know, are excited about a change and you know, why not? I'm curious to see, to see what it looks like. I think the Jets social media did a nice job announcing this today. Uh, bring a little, divert a little attention away from that Sam Darnold news until the situation is uh, sorted out. Anyway, stay with us all week. Uh, we'll be continuing the crank on content. Uh, we'll be back with our normal episode on Thursday. I'll be talking with Dalvin Osario on where everything stands a few days from now. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and enjoy your Sunday night.